Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Love podcast here, nonsense. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Yay! Yay! Just the top two. Is that fa- it? Yeah, just the top two favorite presenters of the Politics Show podcast today for a PMQ's review. Yeah, nice, nice. Because um, the hot take merchant. It's his birthday today. Yeah, well, he's gardening, isn't he? I think that's what we. I heard he was having an all-you-can-eat buffet at Soho House. Was he? Actually- <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I think like, what would be a rubbish thirtieth birthday. What? What would be a rubbish one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably coming into work. Yeah, so he's he's made a good decision not to. Yeah, or, or turning 30 in general. Yeah, it's dreadful. I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not either. I've given it up. Cold turkey. I was, was going to say you're, you're actually 30 quite soon. But... Would you shut your fat whole <laughs> mouth? <laughs> I thought you might hit me. So um... so you said it anyway. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, good content if you clocked me. I'm not 30 soon because I'm not 30 soon because I've said that I'll give up smoking when I'm 30. So I'm not 30 soon. So you're 30 once you give up smoking? Yeah. So when hell freezes over? Yeah. Cool. Should we do the first clip? Yeah, yeah let's do PMQs. <laughs> Crystal Wall. Mr. Speaker, the wealth of billionaires has skyrocketed over the past decade, whilst average working households in the UK have the lowest living standards since the 1950s. Whilst hardworking families are struggling to make ends meet, the wealthy are playing by a different set of rules, with reports even that members of the House of Lords are trying to exploit the non-dom status loophole to avoid paying their fair share. So does the Prime Minister agree whether you're the wife of the most powerful man in the country or the host of The Apprentice, no billionaire should qualify for special tax treatment while my constituents face soaring levels of inequality and poverty. Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, the, the facts tell a very different story to what the Honourable Gentleman said. Uh, he mentioned inequality. Inequality today is lower than it was in 2010. He, he, mentioned, he mentioned the number... He mentioned the number of people in, in poverty, Mr. Speaker. Again, I'm pleased to say there are 1.7 million fewer people in poverty today than 2010, including many in Scotland. But, Mr. Speaker, of course we understand that things are challenging right now with the cost of living, which is why we've put in place record support to help families, particularly with their energy bills, and particular for the most vulnerable in our society, with record amounts of cost of living payments going to millions across the country, including in Scotland, showing the power of the United Kingdom government. So that was uh, Dundee West MP Chris Law. Friend of yours, yeah? Yeah, uh, I, know, <laughs> I know him from school. Do you um, actually? I don't know him from school. Oh, I don't know. He's in his 40s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what age you were friends with when you were at school. <laughs> oh, you'd have been like, hanging out. What, what child should hang out with a 20-year-old? Man is 20s, man is... 30s. Well, I knew a lot of girls who were hanging out with men in their twenties, but you know, now I look back on it, I'm like, what the hell was that? Yeah, probably shouldn't. Well, let's not talk about that in relation to Chris Law's question. No, let's not. Let's <laughs> not do that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Okay, yeah. So, um, Chris, yeah. What, what did you make of Chris Law coming for Sunak over being rich? Well, I think the most interesting part of it was Rishi Sunak's answer because he completely avoided most. I'd say about eighty percent of what Chris was asking. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Chris Law's asking about non-doms and tax inequality and it's basically a jibe being like oh do you remember when you were married to a non-dom and mm. also you know could you please charge a few of your friends the correct tax mate <laughs> the correct tax rate? yeah we're just asking for a little bit and then Sunet came back with completely avoiding the non-dom stuff and just went for inequality as petering out which 
All right. So you know how they've redefined the numbers for what they've re reconfigured how poverty is conceived. Mm -hmm. So they basically got this amazing figure now, which is like there's fewer, a million fewer people in poverty. But what that actually is, there's fewer, a million fewer people who qualify for our definition of poverty. Mm -hmm. It's very clever, isn't it? Yeah. So they're still living a totally unacceptable living standard yeah. in the UK, but they don't technically live in poverty. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. So they're doing good work. So it's basically like if I decided that that doesn't consider, I don't consider that t-shirt grey. You're not wearing a grey t-shirt. No. Oh. I'm gaslighting you. So <laughs> once again, the Tories are gaslighting the country. <laughs> what did you make of it? Yeah, um, strong. Yeah? Strong, strong, strong opening. I think... I think his... his aunt, I, I suppose evaluating the actual performance of how someone deals with premises questions is quite redundant, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm, you um, should. Because he, was just, he didn't seem to have any fight in him this week. Sunak or Chris? Sunak. Chris, I thought was... You like how I'm going for Chris, just first name? Yeah, uh, Chris. First Chrissy. name basis. Chris Law was... Um, yeah, he was typically animated after mm -hmm. his arse comment last week. And Sunak kind of just like... like uh, that was, his, that was his vibe today. Uh. Yeah, but it's the SNP, isn't it? So Sunak's like, zzzzz. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can't win in Scotland, can they? The Tories? Yeah. Second biggest party in Scottish Parliament. Yeah, but that's not really saying very much when you look at the map, is it? You know, that's sort of like saying Lib Dems are the, the third biggest party, you know. Where? In England. And you're like, yeah, but <laughs> okay. there's like nine of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Sorry, anyway, and I'll be at the Lib Dem conference next week at home. <laughs> yeah, any, any people listening, Ava does like and respect the Lib Dems. Yeah. We need to make that clear. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. The truth is they're presiding over mayhem in the criminal justice system. Only a few short months ago, Zara Alina's family said ministers had, and this is their words, blood on their hands after probation failures that led to her murder. So it beggars belief that we're back here once again. The Chief Inspector of Prisons said conditions in Wandsworth are so bad it should be shut down. The Chancellor is telling anyone who will listen that he raised concerns months ago. Probation, school buildings, now prisons. Why does the Prime Minister keep ignoring the warnings until it's too late? Prime Minister. Mr. Mr. Speaker, the honourable gentleman who, with his background should know better that it, because of the because of the uh, because of the wide variety because of the because of the wide variety and considerable difference in severity of of people charged under that act, it is not and has never been the policy that they are all held in Category A prisons. Something that I shouldn't need me to point out to him, given his experience. But he talked about resourcing. I am happy to tell him that. Over the last few years, we have delivered an extra 4,000 new prison officers. Staffing levels at Wandsworth in particular are up by 25% in the past six years. And because we're boosting prison pay, we're also improving retention and at the same time investing £100 million to improve prison security with new measures like X-ray body scanners. But if he wanted to have a truly honest debate about this, perhaps he'd acknowledge that prison escapes under the Labour government were almost ten times higher than under the Conservatives. So, I think 
this PMQs kind of exposes the Tories at the moment because you have Starmer in all his questions coming for Sunak over kind of parking his tanks on the Tory lawn. Mm. He's coming, coming for the Tories on state security and law and order, which that's been the Tory strategy for however long, like umpteen years even, has been we are the party of law and order, we will keep our borders secure. Tough on crime. Tough on crime. Yeah. Not tough on the causes of crime. No. <laughs> but, um, so I think, and, and then you've got Stephen Flynn coming for Sunak over the treatment of pensioners, mm-hmm. who are the people that Tories have been governing for, for the past, well, certainly Sunak at least. They've, they've been treating young people like absolute dirt, and now they're going to start to treat old people like dirt with the, he, Sunak refused to commit to the triple lock on pensions. And I, I think it just kind of exposes how weak this Tory government is and how exposed they will be come the next election. Mm. If you have people who are concerned with law and order, kind of old school, kind of social conservatives, and then old people, and they realise they're about to be shafted on these things by the party that's supposed to stand for them. What, what, what strategy does that leave them with? Are they, are they going to suddenly pander to young people? Do you know, I actually, let's come back to that because I actually would like to talk about okay. that. But on this, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, we've been conditioned to believe for, um, you know, for years now that the Conservatives are, you know, the adults in charge and they are tough on crime and tough on the causes of crime, yep. law and order, all of the big hitters. Something like, I don't know, a potential Chinese spy being in Parliament, <laughs> that wouldn't happen under the government of a Conservative, you know. Yeah. I was going to say regime, but that's a bit strong, isn't it? This was it, isn't it? Regime. Administration. 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 Government. Regime. Government, we can call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you're basically picking holes in... Do you know what it is? To continue the war analogy, it's sort of like they're throwing grenades right into Tory territory, yes. right? Because it's like, it's, it's all of the things that they are meant to be good on, even if, you know, they might have had a bit of issue because they couldn't get in the wheat or the grain from Ukraine or we've had a bit of slow, you know, some red tape because of Brexit. They were always good on crime. And now Starmer is standing up and pointing out like, well, guys, like some guy just broke out of Wandsworth prison. Uh, <laughs> Someone suspected of spying for a foreign state. Yeah. Not only is there the foreign states aren't in, excuse me, the foreign agent should be in prison, isn't, and a suspected foreign agent shouldn't be in parliament, mm. but is. Mm-hmm. And that's those are quite two damning examples of maybe the treatment of potential spies. Yeah. Well, a few of the Conservative MPs who are Beijing sceptic told me that they had no idea that any of this was going on. Mm-hmm. So especially there was a story that came out yesterday that it was about two prospective Conservative candidates who were going to be long listed um, for constituencies around the country. And then MI5 warned uh, the, the party like they can't run because they've got links to China. Mm-hmm. A lot of the MPs were not told about that ever. So, but especially the Beijing sceptic one. So you've got you've got a few of them who worked against you know Huawei equipment yep. being installed in the country. Um, have been in, banned from visiting China. Yeah, described is that what the word is? Described, yeah, yeah. yeah. But and yeah, and so the, these Tory MPs are particularly angry. Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's amazing because it's just another sign that the Conservatives have just seem just seem to be falling at every single hurdle. State security is one of the one of the things you charge the Conservatives with doing well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, you sort of, you're conditioned to think they're quite good at it. Yep. And they've got no idea that they've got potential Chinese spies running to be members of parliament Especially, in their party. And also turning 
they're all MPs against them mm-hmm. as well. You want you you don't you don't want to piss off your MPs. No, that's kind of parliamentary one on one. But then an argument could be made that if they had actually told some of these Beijing sceptic MPs, the advisor in question who's just been found out would have relayed that back to Beijing. Yes. Well, that wouldn't have mattered. Maybe just some better vetting yeah. altogether. I think we're anti-spies in parliament. Anti-spies in parliament. I think so. Unless they're fun. Unless it's James Bond. That'd be cool. Also, just like, you know, thinking about the Wandsworth prison story, mm-hmm. it's actually amazing what's been going on there. I mean, there's um, Rosanna Allen Khan. It's in- <laughs> that sounded very positive for what you're about to say. <laughs> this, um, Love this is what amazing. you guys have been doing. <laughs> Love it. Okay. But just on like, so Rosanna Allen Khan is the MP. She was talk- She was standing up in the Commons the other week and she was saying that over Christmas, there was something like 15 staff on one shift like to, to look after 2,000 people. Mm. Now, I don't know much about crowd control. <laughs> I'm just saying, if things were to get out of hand, they'd probably get Real out of hand much. quite quickly. Yeah. The whole prison only has 77 body cameras. So there are a lot of times that prison officers are going onto the wings without video protection. But also bad for the prisoners because there's 65 cases of out, outstanding of violence being used untoward mm. against prisoners. So there's no evidence of the prisoners who might have been slapped up, no evidence vice versa for the prison officers if they get into trouble or no protection for mm. them. Like what what is going on there? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's kind of prisons, I think, because the vast majority of people in the country don't interact with the prison system. Mm. It's kind of an easy thing to hide under the carpet how crap it is and it's also like people I think largely aren't very empathetic towards prisoners or mm. like their staff mm-hmm. because I think you could be like well you signed up to be a prison officer you get assaulted by working you're working with a violent person I think that's it's, it's, it's easy if you're going to cut public public services to the extent that the government has since 2010 that's quite a it's easy to hide how det- how deteriorated that system has gotten yeah but yeah, because you can't make a good argument like, well, the prisoners are going hungry because they're a swathe of the country that would go, well, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, you know? they've, they've been locked up for 23 hours a day during COVID. Yeah. Good. There is something really interesting about the um, reoffending rate, though. Do you know that people who've gone to prison or get sentences under 12 months, it, it's nearly 50% mm-hmm. the reoffending rate. Recidivism. But that, isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. So you're basically, I mean, it's really expensive to keep someone in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a hell of a lot of money. They come out of prison, they reoffend, you throw them back in. Would it not be more effective to spend a little bit of cash on perhaps some prevention, some rehabilitation, yeah. getting people back into, you know, you come out of prison. If you're, if you went in homeless, you come out homeless. So obviously what's the first mm-hmm. thing you've got to do? Well, you've probably got to steal something to eat. Yep. So you're reoffending, right? Yeah. Be really good if someone had a look at that. I think so. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Every week he comes here protesting that nothing's his fault, trying to convince anyone who's still listening that everything is great. The truth is, the floor fell in for millions of families because of their economic mayhem. The classroom ceilings collapsed because he cut vital school budgets. And now the walls of our national security have been breached because they've ignored repeated warnings. No one voted for these shambles. No one voted for him. So how much 
much more damage do the British public have to put up with before he finally finds the stomach to give them a say? Mr Speaker, we are are getting on for the British public just in the last week, announcing a new landmark deal for British scientists, attracting £600 million of new investment for our world-leading auto industry and wages now rising at the fastest rate on record, Mr Speaker. And where has he been this week? Locked away with Labour's union paymasters promising to give them more power and scrap the laws that protect British families and their access to public services. It's clear it's only the Conservatives that are on the side of the hard-working British public. So that's Starmer there outlining all of the things that, well, as we've just said, he's outlining everything that's going wrong in the country. The, ma- the state of managed decline that we find ourselves uh-huh. in. You could, just do, you could just do that every week. should just do that yeah. every week. You could, you could, couldn't you? You could open up with... First question to the Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, have you... <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> have you fixed the crumbling concrete yet? <laughs> 11,000 channel crossings this year. Any improvement? That was really good. Yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, we've... Uh... That's me doing Rishi Sunak. I think... We didn't get to the line. No, excuse me. Do Rishi Sunak. We've actually uncovered three new Chinese spies working. <laughs> I've got these. better news. Yeah. He's Mr. Hindsight. I'm Mr. Inaction. <laughs> <laughs> Just two uninspiring men shouting at each other. Yeah. Have you seen that guy on TikTok who does impressions of Keir Starmer? No, but it sounds dreadful. No, it's really funny. Oh, it funny. It's, okay. He's like talking about... Um, he's, he's talking about... Uh, when politicians at PMQs use um, pop culture analogies. Like, do you remember after the, the Line of Duty finale and all they talked about was Line of Duty in Parliament? For like, I, I love that. I love that sort of thing. Do you? But, but there's a really this good... so crap. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's a really good impression about... And um, they're like... We should just have the clip here. Mr. Speaker, just the other day, I was watching The Simpsons on Sky One and it was the episode where Bart Simpson vandalised the statue of Jebediah Springfield. And I thought to myself, this looks familiar. Where have I seen this before? And then it dawned on me. The Prime Minister is a prankster. The good people of Springfield are the British public and Rishi Sunak is El Bato himself. I like it. Yeah, it's good. And then the 15-minute cities analogy could be like the... Um, do you know when they put the... It actually might be in the film. Don't they put a big dome, oh, dome. Yeah, 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 over yeah. the top of yeah. it? Yeah. This is what a 15-minute city will look like. <laughs> <laughs> This is the future that liberals want. <laughs> Maybe we're not good at impressions. Maybe not. Um, but we... Sunak talks about uh, Labour's union paymasters. Mm. Um, you were at the CUC Congress yeah. this week. Fully, uh, fully paid up member of... Yeah, how, how were um, the paymasters... How were the shadowy figures of the Labour movement? Yeah. How TUC was actually really good. The TUC Congress. It was. It was. Um, it had a really hopeful atmosphere to it. So Angela Rayner mm-hmm. put down this New Deal for workers, and every general secretary responded really well to it. Yeah. They're, they're really pleased with it. There's there's a lot there's a lot of protections in there for against the minimum service levels bill, against the strikes bill. Um, we'll return that in 100 days. Is that the they're commitment? going to enshrine it in the first 100 days. But yeah. so, so basically, the only criticism, criticism of it is they want, like, how can we ensure mm-hmm. that 
Starmer actually does put this onto the statute mm -hmm. book because and repeals the minimum service level bill because you know that's going to be a big one for the RMT coming up. The RMT, sorry to get too strike heavy, but the RMT's mandate for strikes runs out in November. So they'll be the first union or one of the first unions that will come against this minimum service level bill. So when they want to go on strike, they'll have to provide a minimum service, mm -hmm. which de facto makes a strike redundant, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I went on a tangent like that. The paymasters, okay, the paymasters are fully paid up by Labour right now because they are So Sunex actually uncovered a deep conspiracy on behalf of the shadowy left to control the country at the expense of the general public. Yeah, I thought he could have gone a bit harder on that, actually. Like, if I was advising Sunak, because mm. obviously when I'm not here, that's what I'm doing. That's actually what Ollie's doing today. That is birthday. what he's doing today. He was just out of shot yeah. at PMQs. Whispering in his ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaping. <laughs> <laughs> Burn the vapes. Um, yeah. He could have said, so yeah, there's a little pit, bit in that new deal where Raina said that she was going to make it easier for people to go on strike. Mm -hmm. What she meant by that is we have some of the most draconian strike laws in the Western world. Um, second to, I think, Russia. Mm -hmm. Good place to be. Good company. Um, she basically wants to make it that the onus doesn't go on the worker. They can't lose their job if they go on strike. But Sunak could have gone full pelt with that and could have been like... They're in bed. They want this country to grind to a halt mm. and they don't want the trains to run. And uh, But I, th I, th I think maybe the conversation, maybe there's, so you're that advisor mm. advising that. And there's, there's another advisor who said, well, the trains don't really run anyway. Right. So I think maybe they'd be like, well, that attack line won't work well, because but, the country doesn't work right now. So, 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 is it, so have they decided to stop going at full pelt, winter of discontent, fear mongering, because... That's kind of where we are. Mm -hmm. I disagree with that really? because he used the BMA line, didn't he? He said oh, that the, yeah, the yeah, NHS yeah. waiting lists were, you know, what are they now? Seven, eight, nine million. I don't know. Are we all on a waiting list? Basically, are we all waiting? I'm waiting. Um, my God, the NHS waiting list is longer, like, it, it, is larger than some countries. Yeah, larger That's than the population of Scotland, maybe. Is that true? Oh God, back to Scotland. Check that. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> um. He said that the the strikes were somehow contributing to that waiting list. Oh, and yeah. he said that Starmer, he was like, how can he support the doctors? Does he not think it's unfair on the people who are waiting for treatment? It's like, honey, like, <laughs> <laughs> there are a few more on the waiting list. They're <laughs> just that. Nice. Yeah. Just that. Um, what did you make of Starmer v. Sunak today? I actually think Starmer did very well today. Yeah, I just think there was any passion in it. No passion. No passion. What do you want him to do? Hump the desk? No, sorry, from Sunak, excuse like, me. Okay. I would like to, yeah, if he humps the desk, that's a good. <laughs> that'd be nuts. <laughs> Something a bit pizzazz. <laughs> Climbing onto the dispatch box. <laughs> Shaking his arms. Rachel Reeves up at the back, like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> like, full, like, Ibiza 90s. Hacienda. Yeah, it'd be sick. Um, yeah, I think Starbird, well, you, you, Starmer should do better every week, essentially. Yeah, that's the attitude. Or like, just given how much material he has to work with. Yeah. That reminded me of someone the other day on Twitter said that um, they've learnt, it took 20 years to discover that if you say, what is it? In a meeting where you're like, oh, I just think we have to go into this delicately. <laughs> Everyone will agree. Yeah. That's kind of the Starmer thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, we weren't, I, this isn't on the rundown, but what do you think about... Um, the shadow culture secretary. Never, I was going to ask having... you that. Okay, well, should we answer at the same time? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, uh, you, you go first. What do you, what do you think? Does, does it matter? Um, I, I, I'm reminded of David Cameron not knowing which football team he supported. Yeah, and he was the prime minister of the country. Uh-huh. Could you argue that he shouldn't have been prime minister because he didn't know what football team to support or didn't know the difference? I just thought. I just thought it was a bit silly because obviously Steve. It's silly. Yeah, Steve Barkley was not a Steve. Obviously, it means Steve. We're on a we're on a nickname <laughs> basis. Steve. Yeah, Steve. Stevie. Um. Yeah, he's not a doctor. Grant Shapps is not in the military. You know, if you were really looking around for. It's a re- it's a really disingenuous reading of the way the cabinet works. Yeah. Um. And also, given who was previously culture secretary, Dean Doris couldn't even articulate how any sporting thing worked mm-hmm. in a promotional video. So I think that's, I don't know, if you're going to go after Labour for your shadow secretary having not been to a football or rugby match, which is actually just like, their job isn't to go to football or rugby matches. Yeah. <laughs> that's not. You could also turn it around and you could, um, I don't know if you, how often you spend looking at the register of interests, you know. So oh, every day. A little bit of bedtime reading. <laughs> um, pillow talk. There's so many MPs take hospitality tickets that are paid for like by betting companies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah or beer companies mm-hmm. and they're always hospitality packages and mm-hmm. they go and watch football like that. So I'm sure when she becomes the Secretary of State, <laughs> then she'll be, uh, she'll be gifted a few of those packages. Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show Pubcast. SNP leader Stephen Flynn. Yeah. Mr Speaker, as someone who spends more money heating their swimming pool than the total value of the UK state pension, I think it's safe to say that the Prime Minister might not be as invested in this topic as some others. But let's afford him the opportunity to clear up any confusion. Will he commit his party, the Conservative Party, to maintaining the state pension triple lock beyond the next general election? Yes or no? Prime Minister. Oh, Mr. Mr Speaker, this is the party that introduced the triple lock, Mr Speaker. This is the party that has delivered a £3,000 increase in the state pension since 2010. It's also the parties that ensure that there are 200,000 fewer pensioners living in poverty today and this winter ensuring that pensioners get an extra £300 alongside their winter fuel payment to support them through the challenging times with inflation. So, Mr Speaker, our track record is clear. There is one party in this House that has always stood up for our pensioners and that is the Conservative Party. on the side of old age pensioners. Yeah. Yeah. Strong. I am going to say something very unpopular. Oh, no. The triple lock really annoys me. Does it? It does. Why? Because if you are a young person at the mm-hmm. moment and you're paying a graduate tax, you, you're paying more tax than the people who are now pensioners ever did, mm-hmm. right? You're also renting because you can't get onto the property ladder mm-hmm. and you're in the middle of a cost of living crisis so you're spending more on bills. Most under 35-year-olds by the end, are living month to month and by the end of that month, most of their salary has gone literally on rent, bills mm-hmm. and eating, mm-hmm. which they should really give up because, you know, that's... Never looking fat. no. No. <laughs> I meant, There's an obesity crisis I meant, in this country. I meant if they were serious about saving for a home, then they would stop eating. So, okay, both. I no was being too. facetious. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, then when you turn around to... But okay, you've also just come out of 
we're currently still in a cost of living crisis. And in that, we were told, please don't accept a pay rise from your boss because it could send inflation out of whack, mm -hmm. right? Why on earth should the pensioners who are sitting in an asset, in a home that they own, some of them who, some of whom have got millions tied up in these houses, especially if they're in the south of England, mm -hmm. why do you need the triple lock? Like, I'm sorry, but if you're going to push us down this kind of war mentality of do not take a pay rise, just pay your rent, pay your bills and shut up, mm -hmm. then I'm sorry, the pensioners have to do that too. I don't agree with you. I don't think, yeah, it was about to walk off the podcast. Um, I think that's quite a specific person who has millions locked up in a home. And also, even if your home is worth millions of pounds, should you be forced to sell that? One I, I, in four pensioners are millionaires. Okay, there's 75% who aren't. That's, 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 mo that's most. <laughs> that's most. Like, I think um, people who are elderly are still incredibly vulnerable. I think there may be, there needs to be kind of more empathy towards these people. And I think actually what perhaps a solution to this is to maintain the triple lock. And I think we should just simply just tax, tax the rich. Mm. That, like that, that would be, we, I, I agree with you that I should not be taxed to the degree that I am. And that's just because it's me for no other reason. But I mean, like younger people are being taxed to that ludicrous degree to fund um, social services when we can't afford it, whereas the rich are not being taxed to the extent that they are. No, correct. And that's and I think that's that there is a solution that isn't um, creating, taking, unlocking the triple lock on pensions, I think. Also, because we'll, if the state pension exists and by the time we retire, I would quite like that. Personally. I don't think that we will get it. I don't think we will get it The biggest it thing that but, we definitely but, won't but, get. But if, but if we do, it'd be quite nice to have that triple lock. Yeah. But the biggest thing we won't get is adult social care. That's yes. one thing that I just find extraordinary. Mm -hmm. You pay that every month in your council tax. By the time we get there, we are not going to be eligible for it. And there are people who are sitting in, as I said, million pound homes that they might have bought for £75,000 when they were younger. And they're refusing to remortgage the house to pay for their own social care because they want to pass that asset on to their kids or their grandkids. And I, I just think that's barefaced inequality. I think, you know, if you live in a house that is now worth millions and it wasn't when you first bought it, mm -hmm. you've done nothing to appreciate the value on that house. Mm -hmm. You've basically, you've benefited from a government that's put in, I don't know, vital services, transport links that have made your house more valuable in the area that you own it. Yeah. You haven't done anything to yeah. earn that money. You should now have to take it out and pay for yourself to do things. But then would that, another solution to that would be, as our friend Harry Lambert might suggest, that we're mm. A wealth tax, yeah. Because because I th I think that's a more that's a more targeted strategic way of dealing with that. Yeah. So you have the millionaire pensioners who who got lucky and through and their their assets just appreciated in value. So yeah, they they get to pay their fair way, but then you get the pensioners living in poverty using food banks mm -hmm. still get their pensions that are, that are triple locked. Yeah, it's just that I'm. Um, you hate old people. I'm against a wealth tax. Are you? No. Oh right, <laughs> you didn't mention that last week when Harry was on. Oh Harry, I love the wealth tax. Oh, Harry, that's that was so Ollie. Good. Your article's so good. That was oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last... Guys, can we put a link in bio for that article, please? It's really good, that yeah. Actually, can we just have, have a dramatic reading of the article instead of the podcast? Total rhubarb. It's the politics show podcast.
Cliff Davis. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's uh, vitally important that we retain, recruit, and protect our prison officers. So, will the Prime Minister agree to stop any prisoner who assaults a prison officer from being released early from jail? This simple measure will be very popular with prison officers, it will be very popular with the public, and you never know, Mr Speaker, it might even find favour with the parties opposite, who normally think that the only people who should be in prison are people who misgender people. <laughs> I love this. Yeah? I think this is... Just, I, I laughed out loud at this. <laughs> I, I think it was just a, just a, a remarkable bit of content. Yeah. Um, do you, I, you remember, can you imagine him writing it before he I went just, on? He was so pleased. Yeah. He was sitting with his advisors, I imagine, this morning. They sat down, they got into their little pokey parliament office and they sat down and he went, oh, God, I've got a real good one. <laughs> oh, I've got a real good one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, as his advisor, writing a line yeah. for him. Yeah. I'm like... I'm like, you know, Philip, Philip, what we've done here, this is really good because prison officers getting attacked in prisons, we hate that. But what we've got to do, right? <laughs> we've got to go after the trans. <laughs> what we, what, as we all know, the Labour Party, the Lib Dems and the SNB have come together in a progressive alliance to put tariffs in jail. Yeah. And we all know that that's been passed in like in a bill and, yeah. and tariffs are in jail now. In the Magna Carta. In the Magna Carta yeah. and uh, 50 Minute Cities as yeah. well. Um, so They're all caught on camera. Those ULES cameras. That's how they found them. All. <laughs> so the the heroes that are the ULES Blade Runners. Yeah. That go around misgendering people. Um, they're in prison. Mm -hmm. And so Philip Davis is uh, leading uh, leading a great escape thing of all the tariffs in prison. That's the plan. There was something there. I'm trying to do like a pun on Shaw Shank. Shaw Shank. Shaw. Shaw Shank misgendering. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Shawshank um, 15 minute genders 15 minute genders that's, what, that's fine that's mm. something yeah um, <laughs> sorry that was this just reminded me I was standing outside Sean I think you were you there Sean when we were wearing those like TUC badges like to go into the conference the conference centre mm. this guy came up to it like this this guy was just like what does that stand for totally useless cunts <laughs> and I was like <laughs> Just a good, that's a good classic joke. I thought it was quite good. Um, and then went inside to be like, I'm sorry, security, there's someone outside. Like, I just don't think you should be allowed in. Um, and it was Keir Starmer. <laughs> <laughs> was it Keir Starmer? No. Okay, good. I just wanted to get that on the He was in Liverpool, though. He did go up for his um, general did, council meeting. He did dinner. He did do dinner. On, mo on, mon on Monday. Yeah. What do you think he had? Um, I actually do know what he had. Was it a bowl of scouse? Um... It were, we were talking about a bowl of scouse mm -hmm. yesterday. And I'm going to put this blame solely on me because I, it, the scouse will come. But I, it really feels like Britain never kind of went past like the post-war food era. Scouse is tasty. Yeah, I know. But you know what it is, right? It's like a um, potato stew. Yeah. Kind of. It's tasty. Yeah. But it just feels so like war food to that's me. Our, that's our heritage. Huh? Your dad's from Liverpool. Right. But like, but you, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shouting at Liverpool or like. Sounds like it. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, guys, we can actually get fresh food now, so we don't need to have tin tomatoes in a thing. <laughs> like, we don't. You know. Yeah, it's tasty though. Yeah. What What did they have for dinner? They were at a steak restaurant. Nice. Yeah. That's great. 
everyone, all of the the other journalists were very angry because he was, there was this, this drinks and dinner coordinated. So the, the journalists were having drinks in the reception of the Hilton Hotel. Right. And then Starmer would have to walk past them to go up to the dinner. Mm. And this was all well coordinated. And then he was stuck in the chamber so long that it didn't quite work out the way that everyone was hoping it would. That is annoying. Because the journalists would have shouted things at him like... That would have been great. Yeah. What, what would they shout at him? Yeah, Captain Hindsight. <laughs> Excuse me, Captain Hindsight. A word. <laughs> Bet you wish you left earlier. In hindsight, <laughs> you kept us waiting. It does make me laugh when, like, I, I, we're couple of this as well. But I think it's it's funny when journalists are slightly inconvenienced, and that becomes the story. Yeah. That's like that. That's the priority. I deleted the... a tweet earlier because Did I actually you? saw myself doing that. What? <laughs> I said. The most embarrassing thing we do as a country is shut down half of Westminster when Rishi Sunak used to get to PMQs. <laughs> and then I was like... <laughs> I was like... That is, bit of content. I just couldn't so cross the road when funny. I wanted to. I had to wait for... You know how we all, when we have to go into the Houses of Parliament, yeah. have to wait? That's, that's yeah. really I funny. Had to wait. That's the most embarrassing thing in this country. I did it and then I was like, oh... Oh, <laughs> hate that I did that. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I'm glad you deleted that. Yeah, what's quite funny is Steve Bray. Okay, Steve Bray, for all of his sins, one thing that he does is that's quite funny is as Rishi is driving to PMQs every mm. Wednesday, he stands outside with his like boom box and he plays like that. Hang on, I've got to hum it. It's like, it's from like Star Trek or Star Wars or something. Is it it's Darth Vader? It is Darth Vader. Yeah. He plays that and he like stands up on the fence and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny it's funny um, shall we leave it there yeah excellent thank you everyone for listening to this PMQ's reaction oh and come and see us in Liverpool oh yeah do that um, mm-hmm. tickets available on the World Transport website yeah excellent uh, yeah come Sunday 8th of October thank you for all the details that was, that was very helpful I'll be there I- Ed will be there with his tits out yeah oh, that's a promise um, see everyone next week <laughs>